Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight is Ian. And it's Bonnie. Bonnie, you had a story about a medical journal, the American Medical Journal, I believe it is, or Journal of Medicine. American Journal of Medicine. That is saying that believing in freedom is bad for you. Yes. This is from independent.org, or the Independent Institute. says, belief in freedom is bad for you. So is distrust of government, according to a study in the American Journal of Medicine. (laughs) Quote, one possibility relates to a distrust of government or belief in freedom that contributes to both vaccination preferences and increased traffic risks. So it's kind of a weird way to just start off the article, Uh but they're saying in the in the study from the American Journal of Medicine, that's a quote from it. And they're saying um, that they tested. Eleven million two hundred seventy thousand seven hundred sixty three individuals. 16% had not received a COVID vaccine, and 84% had received a COVID vaccine. The cohort accounted for uh, the cohort of scientists. Uh, No, that would be the cohort of the people they they included in the study. Oh, the the cohort accounted for, okay, so the people who had not, um, 6,682 traffic crashes. Unvaccinated, oh wait, what's the cohort? The cohort would, I believe, be the 11 all of million them? people. So all of them accounted for 6,682 traffic crashes. Unvaccinated individuals accounted for 1,682 traffic crashes, which is 25%, equal to a 72% increased relative risk compared with those vaccinated. Why in the world would they even consider looking at whether or not somebody was vaccinated in regards to a traffic crash? They're trying to say that because those people who didn't get vaccinated likely don't trust the government, that means that they are more risky oh, when driving. It says, I quote, see. these data suggest that COVID vaccine hesitancy is associated with significant increased risks of traffic crash. The authors contend that does not betoken a strong case. I don't know. This article is kind of crappy. I mean, it doesn't really seem significant to me. I mean, if we're talking about, they're saying that 16% of the 11 million people uh, had not taken the vaccine, but 25% of unvaccinated, 25% of the traffic crashes were associated with the unvaccinated uh, individuals. I mean, that doesn't seem like 25% a huge increase. Uh, of, 25% of the crashes were unvaccinated, but only 16% of the whole 11 million were the unvaccinated people. Go ahead, Major. Well, in order to compile statistics, you got to deal on data that's at least a year or two old, right? So this goes back to the beginning of the pandemic. Hmm. Well, of course, you know me. I don't trust the government. I'm flipping the bird every time I can. Mm-hmm. But And I didn't take the jab, but I was one of those, what do they call them, essential workers, mandatory, you know. Yep, essential. Mm-hmm. Essential workers, yeah. So I was out there in the front line all the time, you know. But I'm a carpenter, so I don't have to deal with a whole lot. I mean, it's not like I'm slinging bags in Walmart's grocery line or nothing, dealing with 500 people a day or nothing. Okay. But still, I mean, I wasn't scared of it. And uh, on the other hand, when I was out there driving during those mandatory working times, 
I was the only dog on the road. Yeah. I could have done 120 miles an hour every hour. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting time, that's for sure, when uh, all the roads were basically just empty. Yeah, there's this road, it's 1604, like it's a huge, huge loop that goes all the way around San Antonio, but um, mm-hmm. the, the north part of it is always so full of traffic, and everybody basically speeds on it anyway, it's like four-lane highway, but during COVID, it was crazy, like there was hardly any cars and everyone was going like 90 on it. Well, didn't somebody set a new record for the Cannonball Run, which is, uh, I believe, a full drive across the country during the COVID thing? They just they were easily able to just sail across the whole country in mm. no time flat because there was no one on the roads. That doesn't surprise me, but I'd be interested to hear it. Yeah. Um, what was they thinking? Oh, yeah, have you ever, I mean... I don't know if you guys have ever driven around Chicago, but it's another one of those four-lane madhouses. Mm. No, thank uh, goodness. I've never been I've never been uh, to Chicago if, except for the airport. Me too, airport only. If, if, you're, if you're not in the lane that you need to turn off on your exit like two miles before you get there, mm. it ain't happening. <laughs> wow. Unless you've got like a Ferrari or something. Major, anything else you want to share tonight? Well, just... Um, like I said, flip them off every time you can. Don't trust them. And uh, there's a reason that they compiled the statistics is because us, us old war, road warriors was the only ones out there. It's been established that free societies outperform dictatorships on every indicator, particularly human rights. Belief in freedom is about a lot more than how it might factor into increased risk of a traffic crash. In fact, what we've seen over the years is there's actually studies that have been done that have shown, uh, I believe there was one in Denmark, I don't know, two decades ago or something like that. It's been a while. Maybe they've redone it since then. But they found that when they actually took away all of the traffic control devices, and by traffic control, I mean like stoplights, uh, signs on the side of the road telling you things, Maybe as you're going around a curve, you know how they have those barriers on the sides of the road to stop you from like flying off the curb, supposedly, or the well, curve. Dang, those seem pretty necessary. Well, they took them away, and what they found was that when those things aren't there, people drove better. They didn't drive more crazy because the signs and the barriers and the lights weren't there. They actually drove more cautiously. Because they didn't know where the road ended or whatever, right? Like they didn't they they didn't have that sense of safety. Like, oh well, I can I can take this curve at fifty miles an hour instead of thirty five miles an hour because there's a barrier there. So, I don't you know. know. I I don't think people think like that about those it's tiny little a, barriers. Well, it wasn't the idea. wasn't that it was a conscious thought. It was that it was a subconscious sort of awareness that. Because the barriers are present, people are more likely to drive faster. They're more likely to take risks that they otherwise wouldn't take. I, I don't know. I just think in a non-government world, we would still have light light up things that let you know that you're coming up on a curve. You might. I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say what the the market would come so up with. So evil about that, like. I'm not you, saying it's evil. I mean, like you drive with your subconscious, basically. Like, mm-hmm. If you've ever been like. Dang, I wasn't looking at the road for the last 10 minutes. How did that happen? It's because your subconscious was literally driving your car. And I don't see anything wrong with uh, helpful subconscious cues on the roads. For one thing, when I didn't have bright uh, headlights 
um, there'd be plenty of times driving in New Hampshire where it's all one lane highways, which are 10 times more dangerous than four lane highways. And it's a bunch of like swerves because it's not really like mountains where we are, but it's like mm-hmm. really hilly. It's a bunch of sudden curves where I was just like, oh, oh my God. Like I didn't know we were about to curve so suddenly. And luckily that thing like lit up with my headlights. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that these things are per se bad. I was bringing it up as an example of how it is that more freedom does not mean necessarily more risk-taking. In fact, the opposite is true. If there's more, at least according to this study that they did, if there's more freedom on the roads, meaning less things telling you what to do, whether consciously or subconsciously, people would behave with less risk-taking uh, with fewer signs and things like that. Again, if it's a free market, I think you would see, I think you would see road owners wanting to make sure people were safer on their roads. They don't want to have to deal with traffic accidents. They don't want to have to deal with, you know, cleaning up a mess or dead bodies or whatever. They don't, certainly don't want the word getting out that their roads are dangerous and have somebody take alternative paths. So I think that you probably still would see many of this, the same safety measures. But that said, I mean, you certainly would agree that some safety measures are overdone, right? Like like a lot of the stoplights here that just make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. They're like, oh, ultra, ultra safety. They could at the least just be stop, or stop signs. There, there's a lot of uh, cases like that. And there's a lot of cases where stop signs exist where they really shouldn't exist, where maybe you could have a stop sign on, uh, you know, if you've got a four-way intersection and one of the two roads that's intersecting is the busy road, well, you let that road just go, right? And then the road where it's not as busy, then they have a stop sign or a yield sign, right? Like, okay, yield was even, is even better than a stop because then it's just like, okay, we trust you to pay attention, we trust your eyes and your brain to work and you can look and you can see it's no trees or no bushes in the way or whatever, presuming that you can actually look down the road to see if there's anyone coming. Or at the very least, just leave it the exact way it is, but don't have road sharks driving around, road pirates driving around. Ticketing people. Ticketing people who say, oh, it says to stop, but I'm just going to go because I can see that there's nothing there. Let's go to Stephen in Northwest Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Stephen. Hey, uh, real quick, I just want to, like, thank you guys for having a Patreon. Sure. Um, I didn't realize you had it. I have it now. All right. Um, I'm typically not able to stay up late enough to listen to the show because I'm working mornings now, and I love being able to listen to it. Oh, thank you, When I'm getting ready for work and when I'm at work and shoving it down my coworkers' throats. (laughs) Appreciate it. Give them a healthy dose of freedom. But can we just, like, stop and take a moment and just realize that 90% of what the government, and not even like the U.S. government or the Georgia government or the New Hampshire government, but like governments, right, Mm -hmm. all of them, the 90% of what's come out of their mouth in the last, I don't know, three years or 300 years or 3,000 years or whatever is, here's why you should be afraid. Mm. Like, you should all panic. And when you panic, you should trust me because I am divine. Like, yeah. can we just stop and realize that all of this is, like, to make you scared? And I'm sorry, like, different part of the world, hopefully you don't have to kick me off for saying this, but I was raised, if somebody bullies you, the second they lay hands, you lay hands back, right? And I'm not advocating fighting, well, I need to be careful. I'm not saying we should pick fight with the government. 
Okay, well, good. I am saying because it won't work very like, well. Well, I, I am saying like I'm the type of person that if a bully's like, "Hey, you should wear blue tomorrow," I'm wearing red and green mm-hmm. and purple. Like we like just make their lives harder and and also just be happy, right? Don't live your entire life afraid. If we listened to, if I if I did everything the government told me to do in my lifetime, I would probably be wearing a gas mask, which <laughs> is going to be le- illegal soon. I would probably be hiding under a rock, and if anyone spoke any language besides English, I would cry because I was terrified that they were going to blow something up <laughs> oh, or yep. attack me with a box cutter. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Stephen, that the government lives off of people's fear. That is what is so important that uh, that they make people afraid because if people aren't afraid, then they can't as easily be told what to do. And so that's why the government always has to have some sort of enemy of the moment. So for the last, you know, 20 since roughly since 2001, the enemy has been so-called terrorists. That's been the fear that they've been spreading. And then, of course, in uh, COVID times, they started spreading the fear about COVID. And your neighbors who aren't doing enough to protect you. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, my mask protects you, oh, and right. my vaccine protects you. Right, so your neighbor is now the threat. Yep. Your neighbor is now uh, the person to be afraid of. And uh, so, yeah, they've always got to have that. They've always got to have the enemy, the other, uh, whether it be the Russians or your neighbors or the terrorists or whatever. It's, you, you fill in the blank. Over whatever given time period, there's always some sort of thing that the government wants you to be afraid of. So you will give them your power. You will transfer your own authority over to these strangers, these psychopaths in uh, D.C. or, like you said, at the state government level as well and give them total control over your life. Government has what might be termed legitimacy in the minds of people. Most people don't see them as bullies, even though we know that that's what they are. We know that they are picking on people. We know that they go after peaceful people, and they threaten them, and they extort them, and they lie to them, and and you know they use the money that they steal from you to do more extortion and more threatening and, and murdering murdering people around the world and, and torture Im- imprisoning uh, peaceful people. So we know what they do, but unfortunately, we're not in a place where most people do, and so most people. Uh, believe the government's legitimate. They believe all of the the propaganda that they've been. Well, if been we didn't sold. have them, warlords would take over, and That's they would imprison have. and torture and you know abuse people yeah. all over the world. That's exactly what they are doing, of yep. course. Uh, but they still don't see it, right? And and so if you're violent in regards to the state threatening you. There's multiple reasons why that's a bad plan. One is people won't see what you're doing as a good thing. They will see it as uh, you're a violent, crazy person and you need to be stopped. And then they will actually want the government to have more um, you know, oppression on their side. They will want to have more laws passed to protect them from so-called domestic terrorists or whatever. They will cheer having more government in their lives to protect them from these crazy, violent people. Right. So that's one reason. There's also the sort of... Uh, fundamental belief that i have that violence just doesn't solve problems that generally you know it's there's nothing wrong with violence in defense of yourself or others i'm not i'm not a total pacifist in that way 
So I think that it can stop an attack in the moment. But I think generally the use of violence, uh, especially against the government, is actually going to make matters worse because it encourages them to become more violent. You are ultimately becoming the thing that you hate by being like them because violence is their tool. That is the thing that they know how to use. That's what they're prepared for. And all the stuff you're saying is just a really practical way of saying like what a lot of spiritual people have discovered as there's, you know, a energy force all around us. And when you're contributing to the dark side of it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what your meanings are behind it. If you're mm-hmm. killing someone, you're killing someone. If there are uh, people who feed off this dark energy, you're just feeding them. And it's a lot harder and a lot more courageous to find a way to do everything that you do with love mm. and not let them give you their mind. Richie, our, uh, our Sunday night show host, he got a, one of those overnight parking tickets where in the wintertime in New Hampshire, if you are parked on the street in Manchester, the big, the big quote-unquote big city here, if you're on one side of the street on like odd nights and then the other side of the street on even nights or something like that, it's, I don't live in Manchester, I don't know the exact rules, but it's something like that. You can be on the street, you just have to be on the correct side of the street or you will get a ticket. And so he was on the wrong side of the street because his landlord had threatened him over parking in that spot, so he moved because of his landlord apparently. Hmm. And then he got a ticket from the city. Is he going to defend himself? Yeah, he's going to try to take it to court. He's going to go. He's gone into the uh, city hall and he's asked for his court date. And like the city hall people didn't even know what to do. Yeah, I bet no one has ever done that. Right. Right. And that's the that's part of the problem is that not enough people are doing non-cooperation. So that's not civil disobedience. He didn't he didn't park there on purpose. He didn't announce in advance publicly that he was going to park on the wrong side of the street overnight as a protest against the snowplows. He's not against snowplows. He's not against clearing the street of snow. It's just that in this particular case there was no snow. There was no, you know, ice or anything like that. It was just it was one of those nights where cops are writing tickets to people just because it's revenue and yeah. they know that most people are just going to pay it and not pay it. Not uh, put up any type of a fight like right. take the town or city's uh resources by going to trial exactly make them actually work for once yeah and so these are little little ways that the average person could make a difference and the the way that makes a difference is if you're more than just one person if you are in a place where more than one person is is doing things like this then you become a pain in the butt for the the county prosecutor or the city uh city prosecutor or whatever and it's like uh do we really want to spend an hour in court trying to convict somebody so we can get a $50 parking ticket? Yeah, they might just throw it out because they don't want to do that. It. Good chance of it. Which We've wouldn't seen even, that happen. Wouldn't even be like the best, best outcome. I think the best outcome is I really hope they give him a trial because I, I've heard some of his stories about when he's uh, defended himself, I think, in Hawaii yeah, before yeah. we met him. And it it's going to be really entertaining. I agree with that. And that's why I told him. I said, I want to know, like, what's going on with this case i want to know when the court dates are and and not just entertaining but it can be put on the internet and show other people look this can be done and that's right you know that's part of it i think i think you make a good point there bonnie because like surprisingly as boring as i consider these court videos that i've done to be i mean i think court's boring i like it's not 
it's not that interesting to watch it well, to me. Not if Footloose is well, Footloose himself. is a little different. He's pretty he's pretty wild and uh, and fun to watch. He gets loud, yells at judges, and and gets away with it. So it's it's fun to watch that. But um, but generally, like I don't consider a court video to be a particularly motivational video. It's just like this is what happened. Here it is for anybody that does want to see. And as it turns out, a lot of people do want to see these court videos. Some of the most popular videos on the Free Keen channel on YouTube, and I can't say on Odyssey because Odyssey doesn't have as it hasn't been around as long and it doesn't have as many viewers. But uh, but the history is that some of the most watched videos are court videos. We actually have Joe on the line in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, hi, Ian. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. What's uh, on your mind tonight? Yeah, say I'm uh, highly upset. I'm sorry okay, to hear that. Uh, that, uh, uh, what's his name, Swab Warner, whatever heck his name is. Uh, let's go real quick. He said what China did was uh, good, what they did to their people and stuff like that, caging them up like animals. Wow, who, who's that guy? Who said this? Uh, isn't it uh, Swab Warner? From the World Economic Klaus uh, Schwab, Klaus Schwab. Yeah, that's it, Carl Schwab. Wow, Klaus, being, I believe is his name. Klaus. I'm being uh, uh, facetious. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, did he okay, say so, this recently? Was this at their uh, their hearings or their conference that they had last week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he also said it before. Okay. So he said China's doing is good. This is America, man. I got the Patrick Henry spirit in me right now. Mm-hmm. Guy sounds like a damn Nazi. That's number one. Number two, yep. you guys look up. Let me put my glass on. Look up the interview that uh, Rima LeBeau, L A I B O W, did with uh, Jesse the Body Ventura in uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. She uh, uh, spoke about and said exactly what they were going to do. Uh, with this uh, COVID crap to uh, thin the herd. Yeah, I've actually seen that. I remember uh, that was making the rounds during COVID a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, lady kind of predicting that there would be some sort of mass fatality or infection event, if I recall yeah. correctly. I mean, she wasn't but right about was, everything that, she that said. but 2009 when she did that. Yeah, she wasn't so, right uh, about everything that she predicted, but I mean, she was. it was still pretty an pretty interesting close. interview. Yeah, and also... Uh, now they say you should kill your pets because what? they breathe. <laughs> you should kill your pet. I'm going to tell you exactly because why? Kill your pets because they breathe. They put carbon in the air. They said either starve them, uh, no starve way, them to death or kill them. Come on, they they said, yeah, this is it. they did. I got, I, I, I got. If I knew how to send it, I have uh, this about it. Who said it? They said to kill your pets, and they had this one actress who said, oh, we should just eat our pets. No, 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 no. This is where I go campaigning against everybody. They all (laughs) ought to be all thrown out. All right. I do want to see this one uh, because, obviously, the the so-called fact-checkers are saying this one isn't true. Of course, they're always going to say those things. So it it makes me wonder what was actually said. Okay. Yeah, but who was in the video? They said they said to kill your pets, let them starve to death. I think he's saying it was the World Economic Forum. One actor said you should eat the pets. The the thing is that's frustrating about 
the sort of anti-World Economic Forum side is they do tell lies. There are misinformation sort of stories that are being put out there. And I'll give one example that I came across uh, the other day, and I I wish I had the actual link to it. I didn't bookmark it, but it was like, I can't believe he said this was what one of the you know the posts that was made on social media about this, and it was like a clip from the World Economic Forum where they were interviewing Albert Bourla, who is the head of Pfizer. And remember, we played a uh, we played an inter no not really an interview, but we played a sort of an ambush interview of him with uh, the folks from. Uh, Rebel, Rebel News. News. And yeah. he just wouldn't answer any and, questions. Yeah, he wasn't answering questions. He did sort of try to blow him off a couple of times. He did answer like, go away or that kind of thing. But he didn't actually give them any sort of meaningful answers to his questions. But they, you know, of course, he was at the World Economic Forum. They put him up on a stage. He was being interviewed. And there was a clip where it made it sound like Borla was saying that they are trying to kill off 50% of the world's population. But what actually the real clip and thankfully Twitter has this community notes thing where yeah. somebody who makes a claim can actually be countered. Add context. Yeah. yeah, it can be countered. And in the community notes, it says, here's a link to the unedited video. And I clicked the link to the unedited video. And he didn't say that they're trying to kill off 50 percent of the world's population. He said something about 50 percent of uh I don't know. It was a longer statement, and they cut like three words out, hmm. and they made it sound like he said this thing. And, you know, I know about editing video. I didn't catch it. Wow. It was so well edited. I could not detect when I watched it through the first time that it had been an edited video. But to be fair, it's probably not the actual people who are out there who are against the World Economic Forum who are putting out stuff like that. It's like, you know, controlled opposition people. Yeah, people, they may be doing it themselves. Yeah, they just make a Twitter account and they say, oh, I can't believe that they said this. And then they put that out. And then, you know, Could people be. look into it and they see that it's fake. And now they don't know what to believe. They're like, right. how do I even know that Klaus Schwab actually said that? Blah, 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 when he actually did say, you know, something else bad. Yeah, and I think you may be right about that. That could, it could very well be that they, uh, be a smart thing for them to do. They themselves are putting out their own fake news about themselves. So therefore, it makes it seem like all of the claims about the World Economic Forum should be questioned. Yeah. Uh, or all of the counterclaims about them. And, and the reality is the things they are planning are so bad on their own. They shouldn't need to be embellished. Yeah. You should just be able to put what they're saying out there. And in many cases, that is happening. Okay. I don't like want to I, make it sound like that doesn't exist. It does. I can't believe but. that they actually just came out with that stuff about uh, 2030. Like, you'll own nothing and you'll be, and happy. be happy. That's real. And that's, that's really what they said. 100% real. It was their, like, campaign. It was what right. they were like, this is what we want the people to see from us. And it was so just horrible. Yeah, very dystopian, very scary stuff. Anti-property rights, basically. You'll just essentially be a serf. Let's go to Saheed. Uh, Saheed, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a great conversation you guys are having. So uh, I'm also pretty hopeful after uh, COVID happened. Um, I noticed a lot of people kind of like woke up to like this anti-life kind of like spirit. Right. It's the best way I can kind of like desc- uh, describe it. Hmm. Because uh, it just popped up out of nowhere with like people we know and love. Uh, and uh, just in general, all around, like uh, all over the world, kind of, we saw all over the world the same kind of like uh, instinct popped up in half the people and the other half not so, like the exact opposite kind of way. Uh, but, 
And uh, there was a question there, but I kind of... Well, before you do that, do you feel like it's half and half? I mean, you're saying roughly half. Do you think it's that kind of a breakdown? Uh, something like that, actually. Hmm. I'm like, uh, I try to be like a little bit more open-minded, uh, than what I see from like, uh, what you guys were mentioning with, uh, uh, anti, you know, usually it's like black and white. And, uh, but I see like a, a lot of shades of gray, like a lot of people who see it, but also don't, uh, they kind of still go with the flow because they want to go party and hang out and stuff like that, you know? Right, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I agree. I didn't try to make it sound so black and white. No, I'm just I, saying. I think we were... No, 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 not too bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're surrounded by those people here in New Hampshire. I mean... I was so so shocked at how many how many people were just going along to get a, get along. Just oh well, you know I I don't believe in this, but I'll still put a mask on to go to the store because I don't want to have someone say something to me. They were doing it because they were afraid of what their neighbors thought or confrontation at all. Yeah, or they're afraid of confrontation, and so really we don't even know. You can't you couldn't tell by going to the the grocery store looking around if you're surrounded by eighty to ninety percent of the store that's all wearing a mask. It still didn't really tell you how many people believe in it and how many people were just doing it to stay below the radar i was curious what you guys thought about uh how the shire free church kind of like uh can go kind of like uh the opposite end of that because i do see there's like kind of like a little like a negative spirit going on and i think it has to do uh a little bit with uh it's that idea of uh liberty versus uh being afraid of dying uh, you know which one would you uh end up choosing um, and the, and the, that was the conversation I ended up having a, a lot with folks um, during the whole COVID times. And uh, I was glad, I was happy to hear some of the, uh, that it was made into a, cop, a topic, you know, uh, at the time. And so, uh, yeah, I was just uh, curious what you guys thought about that. And uh, uh, I'm not real clear on what the question is. I, I apologize. Can you rephrase it? Uh, yeah. Do you guys see the, uh, like spirituality as a, a part of this, uh, the kind of uh, COVID? Because the, uh, like uh, just juxtaposing the killing of animals, this whole idea of like anything to kind of survive, force people to go ahead and vaccinate versus uh, the liberty kind of uh, side, which doesn't really technically have a spiritual uh, aspect, but it could. Uh, well, so I was wondering if you guys had a, like, uh, a, a view on that. Okay. I like the way that you phrased it at, at the beginning of your call before the break was you said that there was a, like a spirit of anti-life was coming out because that's really what it was. Mm. People were told not to hang out with their grandmas Oh, you could kill them. What's more important? My grandma in Alabama told me and uh, my aunt, because my aunt has kids, which are her grandkids. I would rather uh, die than not see my grandkids again for uh, several more years because my aunt was considering not letting them come back over for a while because they caught COVID. And oh, my God, it was a bad cold. And if uh, my grandma caught it, she might die. And she's like in her... I don't know, late 70s, but she was like, I would rather die than not see my grandkids for the next several years. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people who, uh, elderly folks who rightfully felt that way. Like, this is, I didn't get to this age just so I could sit in a, you know, my own house and never see anyone ever again. I mean, I could, they could die while they're home alone, never having seen anyone else. And of course, this was happening to people who were in nursing homes who were dying during COVID, not because of COVID, but just because it was their time to die, except they hadn't been able to say goodbye to their family members. Or how about the people who went to the hospitals and they weren't even allowed to come into you know, uh, the hospital rooms with their loved ones? They were forced to stay outside of the, the hospital. I mean, Literally, there are people, people that dying. missed their kids' births because of this. So, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a spiritual bereavement or a, a lack of spirituality 
Uh, I think spirituality is an interesting question, Sahid, to look at COVID from the absence of spirituality because it it was disconnecting people not only from other people but also from what was important to themselves. I mean, I think it definitely took people away from any kind of spiritual connection because you do have to be around people, I think, to to have the best connection. I just spotted this story in uh, on Drudge Report from the-sun.com. They say that antidepressants strip away joy for some users, according to researchers, up to three in five taking antidepressants experience the problem caused by the drugs numbing the part of the brain which allows people to feel rewarded. Researchers split 66 people into groups, which is not a large sample size, with half receiving the antidepressant called escitalopram and the other half getting a placebo. They were set a test or then set a test with two options, one with plenty of rewards, the other with few. People on the antidepressants chose the less rewarding option more regularly than the placebo group. This suggested that they were less responsive to the treats. Hmm. Professor Barbara Sahekian of the University of Cambridge said the blunting was an unfortunate side effect. She says they take away some emotional pain, but unfortunately, they also take away some enjoyment. Her team found also those given the drug were less likely to reach orgasm. They say about 8.3 million people took antidepressants in England last year. I believe it's like, what is it, one out of six or something like that? There's a large number of people. I don't have the statistics uh, in front of me, and this was written for uh, the UK, so I don't know what you know, I don't know how many people are in England. Uh, I definitely in total. think more than 50 percent of the populations on antidepressants. Really? Is that you think so? Maybe it's just because I'm younger, and it seems like everyone's on them. All right, let me see what I can find out here. So, UK population, 67.33 million, and they're saying here that it was 8.3 million uh, that took the antidepressants, so let's see, so 8 out of 63 or whatever, it's roughly, okay, 13%. So, so 13%, so that's not even, not quite 1 out of 6, but more like... You know, one out of eight, one out of nine or something like that. Now, it may be different in the, the United States, but typically you, know, you see s- similar trends between the U.K. and the U.S. But I wonder if it's worse here, yeah. That's what I say. It, it may very well be. But, Bonnie, you were saying at the beginning of the show that this doesn't surprise you at all because you've had people who you've known on antidepressants who've said things like this. Yeah, I, I thought this was just common sense. I, in fact, I would have thought it would be like a side effect on the bottle, like warning you. If you take this, you're going to feel emotions a lot less. It's like everyone I've ever known who's taken antidepressants says like, yeah, I need it because I have a chemical imbalance. I just can't. uh, I'm just depressed all the time. And there's no way I like exercising or anything like that would help me uh, get over that. I have to take a pill. And unfortunately, that means that I just don't feel anything as much. Like every everything is blunted. That's like that's numb, numb. Mm -hmm. It's a common word. Disturbing. Uh, And according to the Centers for Disease Control in a brief released September of 2020, so this doesn't factor in any changes that might have happened uh, during COVID, during 2015 through 2018, 13.2% of adults over 18 had used antidepressant medications in the past 30 days. 13.2%. I just don't believe those numbers. 
And I think it's important to bring up in any kind of discussion about mental illness and purported medical solutions to it is this idea of the placebo effect. Because the fact is they've done studies on this that show that if you give somebody like a red pill that has sugar in it, so placebo, and you tell them that it's going to solve their depression, then in a lot of cases it solves their depression. So what does that tell you? Well, to me, what that tells me is that depression is in your head. As in your mind. Yeah, it is something that you can correct. And it is not a chemical imbalance, which is what they all love to say. And I think the most disgusting part about the industry that profits over or off of people getting on these drugs is the fact that if a doctor in a coat tells somebody who's, you know, weak enough mentally, you have depression. Right. You need this. That's what they'll believe. And that's what their body will respond to. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what you, I mean, your brain is the captain and your cells just go yep yep okay that's what we'll, we're gonna do mm-hmm. and if you believe you need this pill or else you can't be happy and there's no nothing else that can help you then that's just what you're gonna believe and i think it's disgusting that doctors don't discuss diet exercise uh you know hmm maybe all your friends really suck and you need to make new friends maybe you need to mm-hmm. go out and make a new hobby maybe you should get a dog anything like that before just giving people pills a pill. yeah that's a great point and and it really touches on the power of belief and doctors aren't going to tell you about that either no. you know most of them and that's why you probably should find a doctor that would be willing to um but the, the and that is what is being expressed in these studies about the um the placebo effect it's the power of belief Every time, not just in the case of, uh, you know, d- depression or whatever, but in the case of all studies about placebos, because it's what the person believes is true that becomes true for them in that case, meaning that they think they're taking a powerful medicine. And so their body responds as though they're taking a powerful medicine. And then there's also, I mean, the medicine is one way to do it, but there's also people that just get told like, like hip- hypnotized and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to hypnotize you and then you're going to be better. Go ahead, Sarah. Year 2022, last year, we killed, I think, 476 people in auto related on our roads. Why are you killing those people? Sarah, I can't believe you. Well, I'm not, I mean, our state as a whole, our state, that's all the people that got killed with auto related. That was 467. I got it, um, numbers reversed. Okay. That seems low, honestly. I don't know. Yeah, but that's just everybody crossing the street, speeding and mm-hmm. drinking, just everybody drink. I don't know what the, for drunk driving, but that's pretty high. That was higher than like three years ago. Okay. So, so that's why I'm an advocate. For so what you're saying, hold on, cameras. what you're saying is, Sarah, all of your advocacy has failed because people are getting into more traffic accidents. There are more traffic fatalities now than there were in previous years. So I think it was it was actually less than last year, but three years ago it was a lot lower back then. I, um, mm. well, I'm just saying that my efforts are going to pay off because we will be putting speeding cameras on state highways, U.S. US highways, and city highways. We just started to put the cameras back up. The cameras the are just going to catch like, people speeding after the fact. It's not like the cameras are going to stop anyone from hitting anyone. Well, the thing is that it's a, it's a change of behavior. If you start getting a ticket, 
the next time you won't speed anymore. It's the it's the preventative. It, Do you think we you should also have cameras effect. in people's homes? I mean, because there's a lot of domestic abuse that goes on. It's a preventative. Right. Well, I mean, that's a personal space, but I mean, on the freeway, everybody's clothed. They're not naked in their pajamas and their underwears. I mean, you could do that at home. I, I, I don't think it's appropriate. Okay, so what you're saying is cameras. it's okay for abusers to be abusing people in their homes? No, uh, the speeding causes accidents on federal highways, and uh, they they speed even more there. And technically, we're not allowed. But how to are we going to catch the uh, the abusers? I mean, don't you care about people being beaten by their partners? Right, but it's a it's a personal. I mean, it's a private place where people could could be naked if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm against putting cameras in bathrooms and dressing rooms and hotel rooms. Okay. Because I mean, you could you could be running around naked or underwear or something that you're entitled to do that. But as a public road, right? So just because someone can be naked means that Sarah thinks that they should not that they should be able to be beaten by their uh, their husband or their their wife. Well, I mean, I mean, you know what? With the speeding, they should be allowed to put speeding cameras on the on the highways I twenty five, I forty. We're not allowed to. But they speed at ninety to hundred miles per hour, and they when they wreck, they got ten car piles up. And I have no idea why we're not allowed to put cameras on the federal highways. It, I, th- I just think that me. people should have the same expectation of privacy. Uh, the, the people have the same right to not be filmed inside their homes uh, in their underwear, running around in their underwear, like Sarah said. Mm-hmm. And I think that they should have the same right to not be investigated while just driving from their house to work every day. Bonnie, you had a story tonight that you wanted to share with our uh, listeners about sleepovers, meaning that parents these days, apparently, and I'm guessing the parents would be millennials in this case, because millennials are getting old enough to be, you know, they're definitely old enough to be parents. Yeah. Uh, you're a young, you are on the borderline between Gen Z I'm supposedly 1996, supposedly the last year of millennials, and I reject that. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people would see that as borderline. Uh, I am also borderline between uh, Gen X and m- millennial. No, and uh, and I prefer to be seen as Gen X over over millennial. But you know, yeah, maybe whatever. that's both of us what it is. Because it's not that I don't want people to know I was born in 1996. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm just too old or something. It's that I don't like the, how the millennials are described, and so many of them accept what they're described like, and I just don't accept that. I, I don't really feel like I completely fit in with Gen Z either. I think that yeah. like 1996 to two, 1999 needs its own little mini thing. I think they call like, it Xennials, don't they? I, I could accept that. I think that's what they say. But anyway, uh, these parents these days apparently are anxious because we always, we always hear about how young people are depressed and or anxious and there's just so many young people that describe themselves as having anxiety and having depression. And so apparently now they're having anxiety about letting their kids simply go over to their friend's house for the night to have a sleepover. Yep. This is from the Washington Post. So sleepovers have gotten very complicated. What a I don't once, believe it. What a once simple rite of childhood reveals about the divisions among us. <laughs> the boys had been hanging out all Saturday afternoon, and Cecily Thrasher was planning to pick up her 12-year-old son from his friend's house at 7 p.m., but as evening approached, the kids decided they wanted a sleepover. 
The friend's father texted Thrasher to say it was fine with him if her son wanted to spend the night. Okay. When the message appeared on her phone, she felt a surge of dread. Okay, I, I'm sure she's going to explain why that is here, but it would seem to me like one of the benefits, and I presume one, without being a parent, right? Like, I'm not a parent. Bonnie, you're not a parent either. But without being a parent, it would seem like one of the clear benefits of the sleepover policy or the sleepover thing is parents are using one another as a, a reason to get out from having the kid for the night, right? So, like, you get to be with your husband or your wife alone in the house, and you don't have the kid demanding whatever the hell dessert or candy or television or whatever it is that they're demanding. And, and he's a 12-year-old, so, I mean, it's not like he's just, like, running around making messes, most likely, but... Yeah, maybe he'd just be playing video games or sitting on his phone or whatever. I don't know. But you still, they're out of your hair. You get them out of your hair for a night, and you don't have to worry about it. They're under the care of somebody who you you obviously trust the parents enough to let them observe your kid during the daytime. They're over at your friend, the kid's friend's house already. So what's the what is she so worried about when it comes to being there for you know another twelve hours during the night? She says, "I hate being a party pooper. I want my son to have deep, meaningful relationships or friendships." She said. But I also knew that I would be setting a precedent if I allowed it to happen. I wasn't ready. So she's never done this before. I wasn't ready for that decision on such short notice. So wow. it's all about her. Wow. she's Her son's 12 years old. Right. And she's never allowed him to have a sleepover or be on a sleepover. And the thing is, like, growing up, I knew lots of people who their parents, absolutely, it was out of the question. They just didn't allow sleepovers until really? a certain age. Mm-hmm. I knew lots of kids like that. Like, you would just know, like, oh, she can't spend the night. Because her parents don't allow sleepovers. Wow, I have no memory of that, but of anything like that. I I could see why some parents would be like, "Nope, you gotta spend the night with us. You gotta be ready for school the next day. You gotta blah blah blah." But I I just feel like my my parents would always be like, because we ask for sleepovers like constantly. Either mm-hmm. hey, can they spend the night here, or can I go there? And it would be like most of the time we could. If it was like a school night, probably couldn't. Yeah, at I, all. Would, I don't think we would even ask on a school night. It says she listened to child psychologists on TikTok, scrolled through blog posts, God. and searched newspaper articles. Talk she, about overthinking this thing. She politely declined the sleepover invitation oh my and God. kept scouring the internet. Mostly, she says, I was just trying to find a way to feel good about my decision. Oh, okay. So she had already made the decision. Sounds and like then it. she wanted to get reinforced by other people on the internet who uh, also don't believe in sleepovers. Meanwhile, her 12-year-old son is probably embarrassed as hell that his mm. mom is so lame and she won't even let him hang out with his friends overnight. Yep. It says, A sense of clarity proved elusive, but she did find that she has plenty of company in feeling unsure about sleepovers. <laughs> Among parents who wow. are skeptical of this particular right of childhood, one question, can I spend the night, unleashes a slew of others. How well do we know the other parents? Are there guns in the house? (laughs) What about alcohol or drugs? What is the risk of COVID exposure? Are there older siblings around? Will the kids be watching YouTube or TikTok all night? What do they do during the daytime? (laughs) I mean, kids are constantly on their phones. And another uh, solution to this that is better than going on the internet is like going to meet the parents. If they're just going to be sitting there hanging out with your kids all day, they probably wouldn't mind you coming up, coming over and talking for like an hour. How is it that... Uh, okay, so like, again, not that I know a whole lot about parenting. I don't, but I was a kid at one time. 
My parents met the parents. My parents met my friend's parents. They wouldn't, I don't think they would want me to go hang out at somebody's house without knowing who the parents were. So, right. like, does she not know who this father is who had said he was fine with the kids spending the night? Does she have no idea where her son is spending his afternoon? And again, if she's concerned about what they're going to watch or what they're going to get into, like, can they not get to the family's guns during the middle of the day as well? Why is being there at nighttime so much more dangerous than during the day? I don't know. She has more questions. She says, is it a girls only or boys only gathering? And what about kids who don't adhere to binary concepts of gender or sexuality? <laughs> I never even considered that. Like, yeah, do yeah, those yeah. kids uh, get the same uh get to hang out with their parents as much are there really that many kids like that at all these days yeah apparently there's way more people in gen z and 12 is probably generation a or whatever they're calling the next one there's like the whatever's after gen z generation alpha i think is what they're calling it um but the gen z kids are like one out of four or one out of six somewhere in that range are identifying as some variant of lgbtq so it it is definitely more common. But again, wouldn't that be for the host parent to be deciding on? Like, if Johnny's friend Susie was born a boy, then do you want Susie to come over to the house? That's up to the dad. I feel like I was having sleepovers pretty young. Uh, yeah, I don't think you need a sleepover to, you know, like, be a well-adjusted person necessarily. But I do feel like, you know... The, but it helps, I The think. kids that you had that kind of a relationship with became like your best friends. Like you yeah. could have friends at school, right. but you're not going to be as good friends with them as the ones that actually like your parents know each other and you're allowed to hang out outside of school. And That's a fact. It's definitely a more spend all a night talking bonding experience for I mean, those people. Some of my favorite like memories in my life are just staying up talking about like silly things with yep. my friends my age. Like, some of those people are still my friends to this day. I think it's sad. I mean, it really is a uh, statement here. The fact that these parents aren't allowing their, their kids to go over and have a sleepover. Just is... worrying about something bad happening. When yeah. most likely all they're going to do is be like, do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. My cousin said he saw a ghost. And that's what they're going to be up doing, you know? Or whatever. Playing video games. or, or... But the fact that they're together, I think, is, is what should be in, encouraged here. It's like... The kids these days are so disconnected from society. They're disconnected from each other. I mean, we've seen the studies that show that teenagers these days are not going out and hanging out in person anymore like they used to, like they did in the 80s or the 90s or maybe even the aughts. Uh, they're not. They're staying home. They're staying on their devices and they're staying separated. And it's so weird coming from the general public when all of those type of people Always say, oh, I quit, couldn't homeschool because I want my kids to be socialized. But then they won't let them go over to uh, to their friend's house. Yeah. All right. So what else uh, is in this story that you wanted to share? It says millions of parents post under the viral hashtag, hashtag no sleepovers. <laughs> they flock to parenting influencers and oh, psychiatrists God. on TikTok who expound on various sleepover risks. Like what? Like having fun? They haven't gotten into it yet. So Get, getting to do something you don't get to do at home? Is that what it is? Because it's true, right? Like that is a true aspect of like a sleepover is like if, you're, if your parents are 
Nazis about no sweet, sh- uh, sugary cereals. You might get a sugary cereal, <laughs> you know, while you're over at your friend's house. Or maybe you'll see a nudie magazine, or right? Like something's going to happen at somebody's friend's house that they're not going to be able to do at home. And you know what? It's not the end of the world if they get to do that stuff. Says, and there are parents who are still on the fence, sharing their uncertainty in online groups, wanting to know how different families approached the issue. Some compromised by picking up their children from a slumber party at 10 p.m. or midnight, often called a half over, sleep <laughs> under, or late over. Others allow sleepovers only with a small circle of close, trusted friends. For Thrasher, 45, who lives with her husband and their three sons in Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay. The first thing that came to mind was that she didn't know the hosting family well. She also feels protective of her multiracial boys who are often the only kids of color in their f- group of friends. I wonder so, why that would be in Portland, Oregon. And again, I mean, aren't you protecting them from the experience of them being able to be known and appreciated by hmm. their peers? Like, aren't you protecting them from having experience with being with other human beings for an extended period of time? I mean, she's protecting these kids to death. Right. Says for Heather, a mom of two teens in Massachusetts who asked that her full name not be used to protect her family's privacy, the pervasiveness of alcohol gives her pause. I mean, like, it's just like if you're if kids are going to steal alcohol mm-hmm. and drink it, they could basically do that anywhere. Sure. I, I don't see why. Like, you do it in the middle of the day. Unless you are afraid that the parents are going to give your kid alcohol. In, the, in that case, you just need to get to know your kid's the parents. friends' parents yeah. better before you let them sleep over. Which, I, I, like we already discussed, I remember my parents who were not Nazis about sleepovers mm-hmm. always being like, we need to know the parents, yeah. when, you know, before. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.